This is an elephant speak. You're talking about finding reality. For the disclaimer, the In Search of Reality podcast and its host does not necessarily believe in or claim that our guests' opinions and stories are a representation of our own views. The podcast, however, is dedicated to giving people a right to speak and share their stories. The In Search of Reality podcast and its host may neither agree or disagree with episode content, but does respect the opinions, worldviews, religious ideals, and information that our guests provide. We believe in freedom of speech and a right to an opinion. I would like to introduce an urban narrative researcher from India. Her work centers around how people experience space and modernity in areas of the world through paranormal narratives. I'd like to welcome Azanya Patel to the show. How are you doing? Quite good, well, as well as can be. With, well, looking forward to this. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So how are, how are things, I know we talked a little bit off air, but how, how are things as far as you know, what's going on with the the virus over there in India right now? Well, we're still struggling. Like I was telling you, we're, we're doing a bit better. I think the numbers seem to be coming down a bit, but it's just a hope and pray situation. We're in the fifth week of lockdown for my city. So I'm hoping things get better, but it's just wait and watch and try to make most of the time. Right. If you would, please. Explain your research topics, maybe without diving too deep into it just yet. Um, just, I'd just like to, for you to maybe give an overall definition to our listeners of, of what exactly that you're here to talk about. So what I do is I take paranormal narratives that people say they have experienced or I go to spaces where people say, you know, some sort of hauntings occur or not. And my work specifically does not deal with the fact of the ghost, whether the ghost 
is there or not it's more to do with the experience of it and what it can tell us about you know the people going through that experience the space that this sort of haunting is occurring in so i think as we go on further in this conversation you realize that there are in india and in bombay specifically there are certain sites or certain types of sites where these kind of hauntings or this places possessed by something those sort of narratives come up more frequently than others so it's just an attempt to tie in and see how the change of the city how the way people live and all these things impact these stories and like take a more closer look at how people themselves see themselves in relation to their surroundings so it's basically trying to see space through another lens and a lens that is usually looked on with a lot of skepticism because you know the minute you say ghosts people are like oh shit this is not scientific oh my god you know you can't justify it this is not actual academic work so it's kind of dealing with that and trying to say that you know even without trying to debate whether there is a ghost or not there's a lot these things can tell us and just trying to tie them them into like other theoretical frameworks and understanding my city better is i think the simplest way to put it that that's interesting very interesting topic um how how did you gain interest in kind of what got you started on this research so like most people you know coming from an anglophone education system in india my primary exposure to stories and short stories was very western centric my initial research work was in fairy tales and you know very typical your disney's and your cinderella and sleeping beauty and all that sort of stuff and i presented a paper on that in 2018 and when i went to that conference i realized that i did not have anything personal to say about these sort of fairy tales because it was not real to the experience of most of the people living around me that got me started on the trajectory of reading up about indian folklore and if you or your readers are in interested you can see that there is a wide variety of the kind of stories people tell in india and they have a lot to do with the systems and the society and the structures that are in place but another thing i realized a lacuna or a gap of sorts was most of these stories and most of the research was being done in relation to rural areas or villages as such and a lot of times the city was not being seen as a hot spot for these kind of narratives but having lived in a city all my life i know that people tell these sort of stories stories of you know witches or like whatever an indian iterations of a zombie might be or ghosts or jinns and they happen in the city as well so that was what sort of got me started in saying like hey let me see what people have to say and i got started on building a library of sorts of urban legends from bombay and that got me into looking at specific sites which got me working on my thesis which i think i spoke briefly to you about as well which was how does modernity come into play like when things are being changed at such a rapid speed especially in like you know a developing country like india or in like a developing city like bombay every area is nearly under construction all the time so how does that relation of you know a haunted house is usually stagnant in our imagination so when that stagnancy goes away when something's under continuous change how do these narratives evolve was something that got me really peaked and i think i'm still working with that and trying to come up with different ways of exploring it So can you touch on some of the paranormal narratives and what have you found in your research? So definitely I think one of the things that happens here is that we have a certain sort of typology, you know. It's not a very simple, you know, ghost angel demon sort of thing that you come across in most western media that I have consumed so far or you know or like aliens it it has a very specific kind of typology. So you have your chudels which is witches but these are women who have died a traumatic death or have been you know victims of violence who have come back to avenge themselves 
and they are categorized as having feet that are upturned so like the ankle is at the front and the toes are at the back so this is a recurring figure this has been the subject of a lot of feminist discourse within the country as well you have figures that is your bhoot which is the ghost which is someone who died and is haunting a space you have demonic entities in more muslim dominated areas because as you know india has a number of people of number of religions living here so in muslim dominated areas or in places where there is more of an islamic influence you have figures of the jinn or the jinnat which is fire folk folk that are created out of fire and these are good or evil and if they're evil they tend to haunt the place and it's a sort of more of an aggressive sort of presence and then you have these sort of more sub categories of figures whereas you have some sort of headless figure and this won't be headless in the sense of its head was cut off but a figure that simply does not have its head and has its eyes on its chest and is you know roaming a certain area and these kind of come up in areas where there are graveyards or like you know we also have some sort of very specific hauntings like one in the city that is one of my personal favorites is we have a japanese cemetery in our city and it's said to be haunted by the spirits of tradesmen and prostitutes that had come here during the colonial period and most of the people the japanese community left during the period of the world war so this is an unused cemetery like no one goes to it anymore so people say that you know now the spirits are restless because you know they're on foreign land they've been buried here and they don't have anyone of them coming so these sort of relations and it's a bit of an amalgamation really and like i went one to one of these ghost walks once and they said that in every konkan village which is the coast on which bombay is situated you always have a ghost a barking dog and a mad woman so these are stories you'll find everywhere and it's quite true in fact in any area of bombay you go you will find these kind of stories now you know you had mentioned earlier about myths and even what you're talking about now I, what what do you think that is i mean do you think there's some truth to some of this uh, you know what what have you found you know in your research as far as has it has it led to any maybe any forms of proof or anything that's been eye opening for you see as an individual i am very skeptical to say that you know something is not true off the bat so i personally do think there is some truth to a lot of these things especially because 100 people having the same experience in one site is is not something you can just play off as coincidence or as an overactive imagination but you know that is my personal which becomes separate from my academic work where the truth of it does not lie in the ghost but in the fact that that experience exists now you and i or you or someone can go on and on for hours about an argument about you know whether these sort of entities exist and you know if they do what is their nature but that does not separate from the fact that as an individual living in a certain place or as an individual traveling through a certain area i feel something and that feeling has to say a lot about me as an individual and as a researcher that's where my interest lies that why are you feeling this what can it be done to you know improve the human existence of it so to speak because another thing that will come up is the fact that a lot of these stories happen in spaces that are marginalized people who don't have a lot of you know say social capital or cultural capital or even economic capital so my primary research work was in an area which was a slum an informal settlement which has now been raised and made into these multi-storied buildings so the people living there have been from a lower economic region and they do not get to express you know their opinions on how they want to live it is state policy that dictates their life where they will live their livelihoods so when they talk about experiencing some sort of discomfort with the modernity that's been thrust upon them there is truth to that and it is expressed through this experience of a haunting and 
which is worth investigating if that be the case. Now, do you think that intensifies or causes the feelings of, of paranormal or the existence of some kind of entity? I think change definitely does that. So one of the theories I have relied on very heavily or have worked with is Freud's theory of uncanny, where he says that you experience terror or a certain kind of terror when the familiar becomes unfamiliar. And that happens in the city all the time. Spaces that you've lived with for decades on end change. You, the way you have existed, your communication with people in your neighborhood are thrust upon and are turned upside down completely. And that brings about some sort of discomfort. So if you had some stories of, you know, oh, there is a being here, suddenly after that change, that being has become malicious. You're talking about the certain discomfort. If there was an area that, you know, was not that well lit and you wanted to avoid, now it's being haunted by something that, you know, is going to attack you in the middle of the night. So it becomes a way to express your absolute discomfort, your absolute horror that, okay, this is how I used to live and now I can't recognize my own life anymore. So definitely it's like, a big jump in the way the ghost or the evil is perceived. And even if it's not an evil, if it's just something, you know, if a sound that you were hearing, like the sound of some sort of bells going off in the night, now you're hearing it 10 times over. In fact, this was something that I found out in a conversation with a member of the Indian Paranormal Society as well. So with my work, I do keep on going into conversations with these people who conduct full-fledged, you know, ghost hunting expeditions and that sort of business. And one of them on a call very recently with me told me that with the COVID crisis, we've had a surge in the number of cases that are, you know, being reported to us. People are saying, you know, they can hear things going off in their house. They can see like, you know, things, shadows moving. And I was like, why do you think it is, you know? He's like, most of the times these aren't actual hauntings. This is the fact that these are people who've never lived in their house for such a long stretch of time. Bombay is a city which never sleeps. That's what it was termed. Like at any hour of the night, you'd step out, there would be cars, there would be full lighting. Now it's been turned into a metaphoric ghost town. And in that absolute silence and being forced into your rooms and forced into your houses, you're hearing these things. Your familiar has become absolutely unfamiliar. And for you, the easiest explanation or the metaphor to latch onto is there something here? And that's shaking me off. So I think that kind of plays into what happens with larger scale building projects or things like widespread construction as well. The way you perceive things has been put through a complete 360 spin. And now you're left trying to negotiate that. So that negotiation becomes the space for the haunting, so to speak. That's interesting. So do you think a lot of it or most of it's uh, psychological driven or, I mean, is some of it still a separate entity that exists, but it's just more noticeable now? Well, I think it could be something which is both of it. So like, you know, you may have some sort of energy or some sort of presence or a discomfort yeah. with something. And perhaps it is something that is paranormal. And then you psychologically feed a lot into it and it becomes a widespread sort of thing. Like an urban legend maybe starts from, you know, one person experiencing some sort of discomfort, gets widened, broadcasted, and, you know, has like elements of a narrative added to it. Yeah. So then it is like, you know, sort of a dialogue between what is real or what may be real and what you are feeding into it. And again, not to say that your experience of it isn't real. Right, right. That's interesting. And that, that kind of, I mean, I guess it depends on how you view what reality is too, right? Because if you view reality as just, um, a creation of consciousness and if you're feeding into them fears and those things that you're hearing you, you 
perhaps even helping it to manifest or become even stronger than it is, if, if that's how you view reality. Definitely. I think, I mean, that's what's very intriguing about this podcast itself, right? It's in search of reality. It does not have a set that, hey, you know, this is the truth and we're going to feed into it. For me, it is simply about the fact that what is real is what is an experience, that you cannot separate the human from whatever your structures are. Like a lot of theorization has gone into see cities as, you know, these sort of amalgamations of industrialization and modernization and disenchantment and, you know, people living very mechanical robotic lives. But that does not take into account of the fact that these are very human experiences. People are seeing it. People are living through it which is also something I think separates the Western experience and theorization and the Indian experience of it, which is also something I touch upon with my work because in the West you've had this period of industrialization and you've had disenchantment, like people have, you know, stopped their belief and all of that. And then there has been a period of re-enchantment where you have these things of like, you know, the Ouija board coming in or, you know, aliens and UFOs in India. We don't have that sort of, you know, lurch where it's gone from, you know, there was industrialization definitely, but that did not cause a complete breakaway with, you know, our enchanted selves or the way we perceive society. Those stories have gone on. They did not have a period of stopping and then coming back. They've just evolved through that. No, I was like, which is why, you know, while there are more of these, you know, sort of ways in the West where you're trying to figure out if it's a paranormal haunting or not with like tools and equipment, that's a particularly modern way of looking at a haunting that, you know, we will try to access it with machinery in my experience of it. And with like speaking to people who say that, you know, this place is haunted for them. It's a very organic sort of self. They don't need someone to come in and test their house for them. They're okay with believing that there's a ghost and they're okay with coexisting with it completely. <laughs> that's a, that's a very valid point. I've never, I never really looked at it that way, but, and in a lot of ways, um, you're trying to test something that's spiritual or organic with machinery doesn't quite seem as maybe as accurate as it would be if you were just trying to, you know, get a, a feeling or a sense of, of it, your, you know, your true self, if that makes any sense. I think it has a lot to do with the fact with the kind of things we're comfortable with and uncomfortable with. Right. So if you look at what a ghost is in its very metaphoric sense, it's when your past has come into being in the present. It's a presence that is cutting across time and space. And that makes people extremely uncomfortable. That is something that, you know, you can't wrap your head around scientifically or you can't wrap your head around academically. But there are other kinds of cutting across time and space we're fairly comfortable with. I mean, like, look at this Zoom call, right? You're sitting somewhere where it's the peak of morning. I'm sitting here as the sun is setting and we're practically floating heads in each other's rooms right, right. and that's completely okay with so you know there's a sort of disjuncture which very, what's very. what and what's machinery accessible to us so let me ask you a question then based on your research and what you're mentioning I, I get what you're saying about the difference between the east and the west um so like from a personal example i just like to share maybe perhaps you can elaborate on this for my listeners I have a growing number of listeners from the UK and India, but you know, most of my, most of my listeners are here in the United States, but however, I have noticed a difference in my social media. Um, the, the people in the United States, for whatever reason, my listeners, they're not as willing or quick to maybe share some of the stuff that I post on social media. That's paranormal. Whereas in India, I literally have like, 
10 times more likes and shares with my paranormal content than I do in the West. Uh, you, can you elaborate on that for us? I'd say two things. A, we're a primarily oral culture. Like most of the mythology or most of the stuff that we speak comes from word of mouth. So storytelling is a very active part of life and it's not something that's distinct from any other everyday activity. Like you go around a dinner table, people will talk about experiences, they will talk about their own experiences, they will talk about their neighbor's experience, you know, everyone has a story to share. Secondly, there's not a lot of stigma attached to this idea of paranormality. Because again, as children, we've grown up listening to stories of, you know, someone being hunted, someone having some sort of, you know, experience in their house, someone being blessed by some sort of deity. So that sort of business is not, you know, it's not my, if my friends are not going to look down upon me for sharing, you know, posts about, you know, a ghost hunting expedition. It's not going to be some sort of, you know, your lesser or, you know, your intellect is not functioning at the same level. In fact, we consider it a very legitimate form of everyday knowledge. And that probably sets, you know, the distinction apart. Also, we really enjoy this sort of storytelling. It's like the first thing you go to in the middle of, you know, a family dinner that's gone dry. You're like, you know, did you hear about so-and-so getting haunted? So that sort of is probably what plays into the fact that a lot of listeners would be more than willing to share it when they're sitting from India. You mentioned the difference um, being part of it, being the modernization of the Western world. Uh, do you think there's other maybe differences, maybe like religious or other reasons why um, the West isn't as open to, to a lot of this stuff that we're talking about? So, of course, modernization and the way it occurred plays a huge role in this, right? Because, I mean, when you look at the West, it has also modernization has also been tied down to the idea of, you know, Protestantism being more open to it or something of that sort. And this is not to say India is not modern. That is something I will fight to, you know, right. the Zenith point, just because it does not function in the same way you imagine, you know, your first world white European or American country of modernity to function does not mean it's not modern. It has all of its trade. It has its industries. It has its economic systems. Right. It functions differently a because of religious reasons. There is, it isn't very hegemonic in the way religion functions. So, the primary religion in India is Hinduism, which in itself has multiple sects, has multiple castes, has multiple deities and the way it's practiced. It also has like in India, you also have a strong Muslim population and there is a lot of cross influencing between these two. So that also puts away your idea of, you know, how the Christian ghost is not really a thing. It's heaven, hell, or, you know, you have demonic presences. Here, we're more open to the ideas of reincarnation, of, you know, a spirit being stuck, it needing to fulfill its life's path before fading away. So definitely that sort of thing feeds into the way we perceive our stories and we're open about it. In fact, Weber talks about how modernization in the Western way can't take place in India simply because of the fact that we have a belief in reincarnation and karma. So that sort of difference definitely plays into our openness and our willingness. Also, like a lot of people are more open about their religious beliefs and are open about the fact that they are practicing so-and-so faith. So, you know, while atheism definitely is on the rise and is also, you know, that sort of thing is coming in, it is a interplay between your societal structures and your religious structures and such. And also the fact that a lot of population is still 
in these rural regions and rural areas and people from urban cities also have very strong ties to their rural centers so stories sort of travel through and forth and you are sort of indoctrinated would be a strong word to use here but i'm not sure what would be from childhood itself you're left open to these sort of exposures and these sort of narratives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just something that's kind of been with you since you can people can remember right um, how are you gaining this knowledge? Um, you know, like what are some of the things that you're you're looking at and you're comparing to? Like, um, what what kind of things are you using for your to help you with this research? It's largely again listening to people. I try to reach out to as many people as I can. I and they sort of snowball me into other people. Like I mentioned to you earlier, that you know everyone knows someone who's had some sort of experience so i'll speak to one person they'll put me through another person and it sort of kind of snowballs into getting me a lot of stories from different places sometimes multiple stories about the same place so i listen to them i keep my eye out for things that are happening on social media because i mean before the lockdown there was a sort of surge in you know ghost walks and heritage walks in the city so i'd keep my ear on the ground for those and you know try to meet people who are conducting these and people who are going to them because a lot of people have different reasons for wanting to associate themselves with that again a nice healthy relationship with people from the indian paranormal society helps because you know i mean i'm pretty open about the fact that hey listen i'm not a paranormal researcher like i'm not doing the same thing as you are but what your work is doing can help me with mine and maybe at some point mine can feed into yours so it's right. that sort of reciprocal relationship helps so it's just it's just about keeping your ear to the ground and after that it's transcribing listening to the same thing over and over again trying to figure out you know where there's that little pattern or where's that theme that's recurring with a certain space so it's a bit of this and that <laughs> but mostly people can you share some of your um maybe more interesting stories that you've had like as far as the research and maybe some of the things you've encountered or people that you've talked to so one of my most interesting informants was this little old lady who i don't quite know she was actually the neighbor of the person i had gone to do an interview with and she's in her 80s and you know she got really excited about the idea that you know oh my god someone's doing ghost stories and she's like i have a lot of them and i was like great let's go on with it and i went with my phone on its record mode and we spoke for more than one one and a half hour i think one of the most interesting stories she told me was about her own grandmother and she said that my grandmother was a midwife and she used to do deliveries for people who had just come to the city who had just migrated here and you know people used to give her things as you know tokens of their affection that you know they'd give her like some money or they'd give her food or they'd give her grains and one night when it's raining very heavily which is again a trope that you see in a lot of mumbai cities because we have a very heavy monsoon so it was raining heavily she's sitting in her little house and someone knocks her door aggressively and she goes to open it and this is man who's huge who's like beyond like whatever tall is like it's he's crossing 6 feet 7 and she's really daunted and this guy says that my wife is giving birth and you have to come with me and so she starts following this guy and as she's walking his height seems to increase with every moment and she's realizing that wait this is not human but at this point of time she's too petrified to do anything about it goes in follows him into a cave where there's this huge woman who's in the middle of labor she goes up does her does her job because you know it's very ingrained in her that whatever it is i must help 
a woman who's giving birth but at that point of time she also sees like some sort of greed coming into her because she's like oh you know humans give me so much so if this is some entity it's going to give me you know a lot more of like grains or money or whatever and with that intention she helps the child with the delivery and the delivery goes successfully and so now while she's leaving this giant entity man gives her a bunch of people tree leaves these are like huge tree leaves and she is fairly disappointed she is like what is this rubbish i have been given tree leaves as a reward for all of my service for coming out in the middle of the night and while grumbling she goes back to her house the leaves dropping as she's walking and when she's back home people ask her like you know what happened why did you leave suddenly in the middle of the night and she grumbles and tells them like, you know this is this is this what happened to me and you know how pathetic of them that they didn't even give me a good reward they gave me just these people leaves and she shows them the leaves and only one of them is remaining and it has turned into pure gold so then you know it's a bit of a cautionary tale about greed and you know like this entire idea of childbirth and dealing with entities that are not quite human so i think that was one that was fairly interesting also because it does not follow the same pattern of you know something comes you haunts you it was more of like a dialogue or a correlation another quite interesting story which i think i mentioned about a man that's headless was a story about a khabis that's what the figure is termed as so this is a figure that used to haunt a mountain a small little hillock and you would see it in the middle of the night and it would be smoking from its belly because it does not have a head and would be extremely horrifying to look at and now since that hillock has been cut down and like a few buildings have come up there people say they see this figure in the lift and he's still chilling and you know smoking his pipe but right now standing in the corner of a lift instead of you know roaming around the road so i'm like these are kind of like you know interesting tropes so those are, i think two of the more fun tales that i have yeah those are interesting now have you heard any other stories you mentioned that cave that the woman had went to have you have you heard anything else surrounding that cave or anything like that so that area or that specific area has a number of these narratives so you know they will be about you know people you hearing a lot of sounds in the middle of the night again that area has also been raised has buildings coming up so you have people saying that oh you know we see something in the middle of the night we see something on the staircase we see something in the lifts we see a lot of flickering of light so again this is also a trope that comes up things that are predominantly modern predominantly industrial things that did not exist pre you know this vertical turn in building that's you know you wouldn't have a lift in a flat chawl or a shanty system so these sort of figures seem to emerge in those specific modern pockets as well so again if there is a place that has a very predominant narrative like you know a cave or a graveyard or you know a crematorium then stories around it will pop up one that pops up very frequently in bombay especially is of the parsi tower of silence now they say that this particular building or this particular tower is haunted and has a lot of evil presences no one can quite describe or say what their experience has been it's just a lot of hearsay which also feeds into the fact that this is a very small population in the city and their way of giving final rites or to their departed ones is extremely different from the others it's not a burial or it's not you know burning they leave the bodies on the top of the towers for vultures to consume because they believe that you should be useful in death as you were in but so that sort of you know the othering or something that you know is not what you can understand through your ways of you know discarding the dead so to speak also feeds into this sort of narrative so 
these are like some sort of more i wouldn't say xenophobic but something that comes from the sense of they are the other and their narratives are such it is interesting too that um you know as you're doing in your research as well that um entities or some of the same experiences do seem to all be attached to a certain location a particular location you know it's it's not as if the entities can just travel about um they tend to like be there at that location you know what are some of, what are some of your other thoughts on that and like um do you you know what 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 have you found in your research narratives of hauntings are located within their space like you said they don't travel they don't go beyond that radius that they've initially been associated with in fact what a lot of informants would say repeatedly in spaces that have you know changed in their landscape is that you know these entities used to be living very peacefully they used to be having they wouldn't get in our way but now yeah. that the maps or the way the space was structured has changed completely they've become restricted they've lost access to their paths so that's a very ingrained belief that a spirit or a ghost or a demon or any sort of supernatural entity has a very specific path so they go from point a to point b and now when you put like some sort of electrical fixture in the middle of point a to b they are going to get hassled and then they're going to start hassling those around them so there is that definite sort of play between you know i love to use these two words which is the landscape and the memory scape so while your land changes in your memory that area is going to exist in multiple forms so while if it, it it troubles them or it, it it annoys them in some way right definitely and i think increases. and and it it troubles the people as well right so that sort of you know what you are projecting onto this experience of a paranormal entity is not separate from your own experience you are used to taking a path like you know which is goes from a b and c to reach a certain place now you can't do that anymore you have to you know renavigate your entire headspace so that sort of disruption is all over like i mean even beyond just you know ghosts or everything the same route i have taken for the last 10 years to travel to you know my school and then my college has changed completely now there is like construction all over the place and to take another route in the morning gets on your nerves it's like very you feel that you know what is this and you know you don't like it and i mean while you do adapt to it certainly in smaller constricted spaces it becomes this sort of behavior that you know we have disrupted something that should not have been disrupted there is the idea that this space was ideal and now it's not that you're bringing in all these foreign influences you're bringing in influences that don't belong here and you're going to disrupt all the things that are from here which is another thing right so when i say the hauntings are rooted they usually do not have a beginning point you know in some places you can say oh you know there was an accident here and after that stuff has started happening in a in the majority of places that are not dealing with ghosts which are dealing with say demonic entities or jinns or like witches there's no beginning point they've been here since the land existed so then they don't move then they are like by stagnant they don't have any relation to a point before or after it's just temporally consistent it's just they've always been they've always been like maybe before the people maybe with the people mm-hmm. there is no breakaway do you have any personal experiences with jinn or with uh types of ghosts or entities so not particularly like i mean i don't i don't have any specific experience of you know having felt something or having been haunted but of course you know before going on to any of these places that you know hundred of people are telling me are haunted of course i have a sense of you know 
a little bit of a fear and again i am a practicing muslim i have a set of beliefs you know religious beliefs and like which make me believe in things that are not your textbook literal or textbook real so of course i do my own prayers i have my own rituals before i step onto these places so other than that i mean i feel i've been i don't know pretty lucky or unlucky depending on the way you look at it of having you know any sort of experiences which also gives me a sense of objectivity you know i can an- analyze another person's experience and say oh you know maybe this is about this because i haven't been through that and i'm quite aware of that that you know it's not for me to say that you know this person's experience is all crap just because i can't relate to it so that is kept in mind but yeah i mean hearing a lot of people's experiences what got me started on this mm-hmm. so wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it what what drives that in you i mean what what is it is do you feel like it's a calling or it's it's just something that you want to learn and try to understand better or is this something that are you going to try to do this as maybe a career path in the future so i mean using the word calling again strong word so i'd say stories are my calling like you know whether it's telling stories hearing stories that's what a large part of who i consider myself has been rooted in this has become a sort of way of understanding the way things around me are so in 2017 when i got introduced to this entire idea of academia and research and you know putting across your point and trying to understand things it felt very natural i took to it like a fish to water and then it became about understanding experiences closer to me i knew for a fact i did not want to do something that you know was not honest to me was not honest to my environment so i do see this going on as a career path i hope to see myself as an academic and this is something that i'm considering heavily for my mphil thesis as well and i do think there is some point to that but whether the paranormal aspect of it is a calling as something that i want to do all my life is something i can't say for sure maybe in the next 5 7 years if i ask the question again i'll have a more solid answer i think i'm just trying to figure out ground myself yeah that makes sense is there any other things that you'd like to share as far as your research is concerned with our listeners i'd say there's lots coming from me more so like you know if you'd keep an eye out and again as usual i'd always encourage people that you know while you are looking at narratives in your own area or in your own region you're likely to find parallels in other places and that sort of helps you bridge the fact i think i was listening to one of your podcasts some some days ago and one of the individual said that you know the fact that there are parallels to myths across the world couldn't be a coincidence and that's true if you think there is a story that's in your area there are more and i think looking to a broader world and looking beyond one's own confines helps you find those experiences so i'd say you know look out for work from different kinds of researchers look out for work from different kinds of individuals and you know don't shut yourself down to saying that you know this is not what i agree with so i'm not going to look at it because that just gives you a narrower view you'd never know where you're going to learn from and you never know where you're going to find your definition of reality from so right. i'd say just being more open do you have any recommendations for our audience as far as researching some maybe some some other researchers they can they can read on or anything like that um i'd say for if you're looking at things specifically indian and south asian ak ramanujan he is one of our most premier folklorists again there's 
like going again to UK, you have Sandra Hosner who works beautifully with anthropologies of these sort of events. And you have Dr. Steve Pyle who also works with cities and paranormality. So there are authors out there and they're doing wonderful work. And I'd say that, you know, there's a lot more than we can grasp in, you know, our own short periods of work, but definitely worth looking at. So I think these three I would recommend. Where can we find your work and the things that you're doing right now? So I primarily share my work on my Instagram, which is also snippets. So that's at the rate Azania underscore Patel. So A-Z-A-N-I-A underscore P-A-T-E-L. So I'm pretty active on social media. So you can follow me up there. I don't quite have a website or anything yet. So whatever comes through all my work is linked there. And I do have a few articles here and there, which you can find through that Instagram page. It can be a sort of a gateway into all the stuff I do and hopefully will do. Hey, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Zanya. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for the show, Reality Searchers. I hope you enjoyed. I now leave you with a quote. Every soul will taste death. Then unto us will you be returned. That's from the Quran 2957.